Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today I have a longtime friend, a legend, someone that you have undoubtedly heard of. You probably follow this guy on the regular. We were just researching prior to hitting record. We were wondering how long have we actually known each other? And turns out we first met in October of 2016. That's forever ago in internet years for sure. Are you a D2C brand spending over six figures a month on paid media? If so, then listen up. My agency, OMG Commerce, and I have worked with some of the top e-commerce brands over the years, including Boom, Native, Groove, Monin, Organifi, and dozens more. And every year, we audit hundreds of Google, YouTube, and Amazon ad accounts. And we always find either significant opportunities for growth or wasted ad spend to cut or both. For example, are you missing YouTube ads? Whatever you're spending on top of funnel Facebook, you should be able to spend 30 to 50% of that or more on YouTube with similar returns. So if you're spending 300 to 400,000 a month on Facebook, you should be able to easily spend 100 to 150,000 or more on YouTube. Visit omgcommerce.com to request a free strategy session or visit our resource page and get some of our free guides loaded with some of our best strategies for YouTube ads, Google Shopping, Amazon DSP, and more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com. My guest today is the man himself, Kurt Elster, the co-founder of EtherCycle and the host of the unofficial Shopify podcast, one of the best podcasts ever. Oh, oh, I heard that. I heard that. That was the, that was your, what was that sound effect, Kurt? Let's, let's dial it up one more time. Go the ahead. air horn? Yeah. Yeah, man. That, so I think you, in fact, I'm confident you were the only guest I've ever had on this show that brings their own sound effects. And that's just one of, one of the benefits of being a, a podcast host yourself. Uh, yeah, it's a dubious honor, but uh, <laughs> I have fun with it. <laughs> that is awesome. And uh, so, you know, we, we have a, a really close mutual friend, Ezra Firestone. And, and actually, we, you and I, kind of were able to sync up again, I guess, back in, when was that? We were in Miami together. We both, both spoke at Ezra's event in Miami. And I heard your presentation. I was like, dude, you got to come back on the podcast. It's been too long. But you've got the best clip, the best sound effect from Ezra Firestone that I, that I hear in, in a number of your episodes but but dial that up if you would, and then explain to folks what that means. Tech nasty. That's Ezra. <laughs> like uh, tech nasty. Two years ago, he would call me tech nasty. And then two years ago, out of nowhere, he writes a freestyle rap, records it, That's what he sends does. it to me, yeah. in which he refers to me as tech nasty. And so I was like, well, that's great, and I played it on my show, but like the one time, but I the tech nasty soundbite I took. And now every time I introduce myself, I use that like a sound signature. <laughs> and it, it's, it's, it's a, fun, a fun thing. I was like, I'm your host, Kurt Elster. And then I just move past it. Like I don't address it. <laughs> People are like, that was cool. I don't know what that was, but that was cool. And I embrace it. And um, yeah, by the eighth time, they're like, yeah, that's tech nasty. Tech nasty, tech nasty. So uh, Ezra has that skill set. He will freestyle rap for you. He, he did that on a... On a uh, uh, a podcast episode with me one time. I need to go back and listen to that, but I would love to hear the the tech nasty freestyle rap. It sounds I think uh, sounds amazing. Skill one, 
can you can you freestyle rap? That's hard enough on its own. Like yeah, I'm sure you can even do it. You could yeah. really practice and like fake it once. Step two: Do you have the insane level of confidence required to yes. just start freestyle rapping as a forty-year-old white just man? Do it. Just do it as you're as you're recording. Just just lay it out there and lay it out there with some gusto, you know, with some with some bravado, uh, and, he, and he does that, which is which is awesome. So, uh, hey man, I'm super excited about this. So, uh, we're gonna talk about split testing everything. So, uh, assume nothing, split test everything, right? So, how do we improve our performance? How do we make more money with our Shopify podcast? But, uh, I'm sorry, with our Shopify websites, Shopify podcast, you, you run one. <laughs> Harder uh, to split test. <laughs> you guys just... Uh, Hit a milestone not too long ago, didn't you, with the, the Shopify, unofficial Shopify podcast? We did. We just hit 2 million downloads. 2 million downloads. I want to be as good as you one day, Kurt Elster. When I grow up, I would like to be a podcast host. All right, here's the trick. Uh, you could brute force it by just never stopping. I'm never over, stopping. I'm over 400 episodes. It's every week. Man, we never miss dude. one. 400 episodes, one episode a week. You never miss it. That's awesome. I've been doing this now since 2017, this this show. I did another show prior to that. But I, I haven't been as consistent. I went through a period of time where it was like once or twice a month. You know, you, you kind of lose momentum. So consistency Here's the trick. is key. Get yourself some sponsors. Now it's a client deliverable. Yes. And if you miss it, like you got to send that you refund. That hurts. That does hurt. Yeah, make it like a client where it's like I can't let a client down. I can let myself down, or right? I can I can push it to the side if it's just if it's just for us. But yeah, for a client, got to make it happen. Um, so a, a couple things. You guys work with some really impressive brands, including Hoonigans and a few other automotive brands, and maybe my favorite, most interesting in in my point of view, Jay Leno's Garage, right? Which is cool. So I want you to talk about that. But before we do. I would like to talk about Kurt Elster's garage because oh. you, you, and I, you and I are friends on Facebook. We get to, to hang out and chat a little bit, but you've got a, a bit of an eclectic collection of cars, maybe not to the size or scope of Jay Leno. A few people do, but you got some cool rides, man. So talk about what is in Kurt Elster's garage. All right. So the daily driver, the crazy one, I got a, a 2017 Model S100D. So it's the quick one, the big sedan. But it, it was boring silver. I don't want silver. So we... It was a Tesla right, for those that may not, may not know yeah, it's the, Tesla. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the so big... So 0 to 60 and what? What's your 0 to 60 time? 3.9 on this one. Nice. Yeah, yeah okay. it's quick. Um, and it just goes like... It makes Jetsons noises. It goes... And you're just going to do it at 60. It's crazy. Um, but we vinyl wrapped it. Uh, mm. This satin yellow gold color. It's the same as this microphone if you've got the video version. It's like that's yeah. the vinyl we used. And that is the, I put wheels on it and tents, and that's the coolest thing. I love that car. It's, it's uh, a beauty, man. I've seen you, you get some stylized photos of that thing. It is a beauty. I oh, I, I got a client's product photographer to come shoot photos of it. It was really cool. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, awesome. The, but my wife's the cool one. She has the really cool cars. She bought a, she always wanted a Volkswagen Beetle. I said, I, I could figure that out. So she bought a 79 Super Beetle. It was the last year they made in the man. U.S. Yeah. And it like it had been repaid as good shape, but it lots of deferred maintenance. So I got that back on the road, running strong. I love that car. It's got sixty horsepower, slowest thing in the world, and that is like pure driving experience. Um, it's it's a such little, a good, it's such a good juxtaposition, right? So it's, so it's such the opposite of the Tesla. Yes. That it's it's so fun. You go digital, then you go analog. It's super yeah. They're like we we gave you just enough what what you need to not die. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the one that the car she daily drives, she also she found, negotiated, bought, and had shipped here. Um, and then I discovered it had like a ton of problems and we had to pull the motor. An 84 Ford Bronco. Dude, that's that my favorite. The 84 All Bronco. original. It's just a That's my favorite too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we it's love that fun. thing. Yeah. It's like 10 uh, miles per gallon. <laughs> Which isn't the best right now, but hey, come on. You, you ba- Again, you balance it with the Tesla. Ex- yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's so fun. Like, you and I live online. We're always, do- always doing digital stuff. We're thinking AI and machine learning and algorithms and all this stuff. And sometimes it's fun to just have something that has no internet connectivity. It's still no, just... You smell the exhaust and, and you hear the sound of the, the engine as you rev up. But it's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's like driving a lazy boy recliner. It's great. <laughs> it's, just, it's just comfortable. So that's awesome. Well, hey, uh, for some of you, that was a blast. For others, you're like, um, you like what's up with these guys? I don't, I don't care about you. what's in your garage. So, okay, uh, we get it. Uh, we will uh, dive into some content. So uh, like I said, we, we were both speaking at this event in Miami, heard your chat, thought, okay, this is brilliant. Let's talk about it. So we're going we're gonna to dive into split testing everything. And, and first of all, I, w- I want to uh, ask you, like, is that a real thing? Should we be split testing everything? Or what, what should our mindset or approach be as we look at split testing? Okay. So the, the actual, the reality and practicality of split testing every single individual element on a website, <laughs> it's just not realistic. You can't do it. Yep. But I, the phrase split test everything, I really mean you got to question your assumptions because there's so much info out there where someone just goes, someone just posts and goes, this is the way to do it. This is the best. I have declared it. And here's like a screenshot of the $7 million I made in 25 seconds this morning. Right. And it's all BS. You don't know like what you're looking at, but that's how a lot of the the common sense wisdom in e-commerce, because it's such a young industry comes to be. It's just like whoever was the loudest voice with the best presentation in their tweet becomes our best practices. And I, and I, I'm guilty of doing stuff like that too. I think we all are once you have an audience online. And so 2020, I went, I'm going to really like figure out split testing and really question this stuff and, and figure out, put my money where my mouth is. It, it gives some legit advice. And the, it, it took some, some efforts of playing and, I ended up uh, two years later really mastering Google Optimize. I feel very comfortable with it. And so I've, I've, Amazing. The other, so number one, mastering Google Optimize to the point where I could figure out like, all right, this is a realistic split test to run. We could figure this out. And we don't have to guess like, well, will this perform better? Does X perform better than Y? I don't need mm-hmm. to guess anymore. Like I could just go have Google <laughs> tell me, just yep. test it. And so that's really freeing. Um, but what also blew my mind was the number of times I was wrong about yeah. what would the winner would be. Yeah. Yeah, because you've been doing this a long time, right? I've been doing this a long time. We talk about this with ad copy a lot, right? Like we're, we're pros. This is what we do day in and day out. We're spending tens of millions a month, you know? Like what we, we know our stuff, but you still got to test because sometimes your gut, even though we trust it a lot, sometimes your gut is just wrong, right? You need to lean on data that's the better way to go for sure. So uh, uh, one quick note on, on tools to optimize with, and we'll dive into kind of the first couple points, but you mentioned Google Optimize. Uh, what, what's the quick pitch or quick thought on why that tool versus some of the other optimization tools that are out there or split testing tools? I really think Google Optimize has become the standard here because it's free and it's already plugged. It's like halfway integrated. Like if yeah. you're using GTM, Google Analytics, you already have most of your Google Optimize setup done. Great. 
makes sense, which really, uh, essentially all the clients we work with, they've got Google Tag Manager, they're using Google Analytics anyway, so yeah, it makes sense that that, that all just plugs in. Okay, cool. So let, let's let's dive in. Let's let's go through uh, some interesting split tests, which I would say have some kind of surprising results, which uh, I think will be a ton of fun for people to listen to. So, first one. This was something you guys recently tested. I want you to to talk about it, kind of the results you saw. But uh, should price appear on the collection slash grid pages? So first of all, describe what that means, which is always difficult in a in a podcast setting. But, but what is that test? And then what did you guys find out? All right, so you, you're shopping on a jewelry store and you go to, you're, I want to shop product by type. I'm looking for tennis bracelets. I don't know who still wears a tennis bracelet these days. I think they're pretty popular. Yeah. Click through to tennis bracelet. You are now in a, in Shopify, this would be a collection page. In the rest of the e-commerce universe, this is a category page. On that page, which is a listing of products, do you include price? Which will perform better, with price or without? I don't know. Dude, that's a good question, right? Because you you think like, hey, you want people just clicking on stuff they feel comfortable buying, that they feel like fits their budget or whatever. So so yeah, maybe you think you want price to be visible on that collection page. But what say and, you? Or or more importantly, what does the data say? And the answer is maybe you do, maybe you don't. It depends so much. So you have to test this yourself. But the first time we ran this test, it increased revenue per session. So this revenue per session, good way to combine conversion rate and average order value. Yep. Um, increased revenue per session, 23.6%. And this was in an apparel store uh, with 97% confidence. So pretty good. Like this one, this test had uh, you know, a sample size of like 10,000 or more. Really solid results. So we ran it again. And we did it on mobile. And then we did it on desktop. And we did it on new. And we did it on returning customer. Same result every time. Then we ran it in some other stores consistent result, ran it a few more times. And we found it really depends on the category of product. Um, it is either going, you know, this is one I just wouldn't blindly do. You have to test this yourself. But I suspect what's going on here is when someone is on, this is my hypothesis, I'm on the product page. I see the item with no price. I then, my brain the is going to decide. Page? Yeah, the category page. I'm My brain is going to decide a value for that price, whether I think about mm. it or not. Value subjective. I click through, I'm on the product page, I see the actual price. Is that below or above what I thought it was going to be? If they're consistently less than what people thought, so you had this like really great presentation and your prices are, are a, a good value. Ah, I think it's going to, I think that's when conversion rate goes up. When it's the other way around, I think that's when it goes down. But in testing it, I think uh, I, I, my guess is like two-thirds of stores fall into the former category yeah. where this is a win. Interesting. But I wonder, like, let's say it is a good value. Let's say you, you've got this, this value in your mind, or maybe you don't, but when you view that category page with the price, if it's a good price, if it's a good value... I think they would still have a benefit, right? You're still looking at it, you're thinking, oh, that's that's great. Like, let's, let me just, let me dig in a little bit more, right? So you're, you're kind of, uh, someone may have a, a mental win or get excited even just seeing it on the collection page. But um, regardless, interesting That's why you got to test it. Got to test it, right? So it worked in most cases, but not all. I like that. Um, so here's a good one. And this is one that I, I wouldn't have thought to test necessarily, but it makes sense. Uh, how important is font size? So the size of the text on your pages, does it matter? Does it not matter? 
What what did you find out? And why and why did you test this, by the way? So I'm I'm a big believer in I'm a big typography nerd. I like type. I like fonts. Which I noticed like looking at ethercycle.com, which everybody go check it out just to see. It's a super fun well-designed website. You can tell you like typo- typography. It's it's beautiful yes. and interesting fonts. Yeah. Yeah, that one's got this like real retro look. Yeah. Um, but I thought like easier to read will perform better, will convert better. Like if so, if a site's hard to read, I'm not going to fight my way through it. I'm just going to leave. I don't think there's really any dispute there. But so I I wanted to prove this with data, and so I, I set out. And I started testing different sizes of font. I'm going to split test my way to determine the exact right font size. Well, it turns out you a test with a really subtle small change like that, it's so hard to get to statistical yeah. significance. Yeah. And so I just I couldn't, no matter which way I set it up, no matter how dramatic that change was, I could not get a statistically significant answer out of it. But I knew, I knew font size and and was important, but really it turns out readability is what's important. I was looking too granular. The real picture here is readability. So this is one ends up being a trick question. You would have to do like in different layouts and split test those. And so we didn't do it, but around the same time, Baymart Institute came out with a usability study and they do like these, they call them large scale usability studies. And they figured out here is guidelines, a starting point for ideal readability on fonts. And if you think about like magazines and newspapers, they have those real narrow columns. Yep. That's what makes stuff easier to read. Is like you want to follow print typesetting that we have at this point used for centuries. Um, ever since the Gutenberg Bible. Yes. And so line length is 60 to, you want a, a line length of 60 to 80 characters. And so like if you go on your website and you put it full screen and the text just goes like end to end, all right, we're not optimized here. Not, it's not inviting to read. It, it, feels like, it feels like work. It feels really difficult to, to get to the meaning of what you're putting uh, on the page. I remember in school, you used to like double space your papers so that you could yeah. fill <laughs> yeah. up more. Three well, it turns pages, out promise. Yeah. 1.5 is the an ideal readable line height. And then you can also really you can mess with paragraph spacing, word spacing, letter spacing. They have those. I tried just putting them blindly into a few websites. It didn't look quite right. So I think it's a starting point. You have to tweak it from there. But if it's it's really just that like how many characters are on a line. You got two sentences, they're not going to read it. You got like five words, perfect, easy to read. And so I like those like narrow product descriptions. Um, I think that performs well. Yeah, I love it. And, and, and just to kind of illustrate this point, I don't know if you guys are this way uh, as well, but just to, to share a little bit of my um, uh, my weirdness, uh, the friend of mine got me a leadership book, gave me this leadership book that he raved about, and I believed him. I believed that it was a good, a good leadership book. But when you open up the pages, there are uh, certain pages that are uh, one paragraph. So the entire page is a paragraph. And then wall-to-wall text, right, is like the least inviting page ever. And I'm like, I still just have not, I've not read it for that reason, which is silly. Like there's probably some great content there and I'm not reading it because it's so uninviting to read, so. Yeah, that, it, no, it, so if you, if you format it poorly, no matter how good the content is, you look at it and it's just wall of text, yeah. it's a turnoff. People aren't yeah. gonna bother. What am I back like, to Like use school? the enter key, like, put some line breaks in there, man. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so readability is greater than font size, or readability is what really matters. Font size, eh, you could kind of go one way or the other, but the goal Yeah, I would say, like, you know, just as a rule of thumb, like, for body font, really 16 is probably the minimum. If it's a really chunky font, maybe 15. But I'd say for most sites, it's like 16, 17, 18 pixel. 
Nice. Nice. Okay. Good stuff. Good, easy win there and helps us focus in the right way. Uh, let's talk about one that I know is a real hot button. This is something that, and, and honestly, this may be something that people have a foregone conclusion on, right? They believe in, in one way very strongly, uh, but that's free shipping, right? Free shipping is a must, right? Free shipping. Oh my gosh. Free shipping is a must have. We've been told forever. Forever. You have For to years. have that the number one cause of abandoned checkouts is unexpected shipping expense. My God, these monsters charging for shipping. I, what? That's, <laughs> what is, that's a government what is service. Early 2000s? What's, what's yeah, with this website uh, charging for shipping? Ugh, disgusting. Mm. Um, so is this the case? It turns out split testing free shipping, uh, not the easiest thing to do. But at least like in the shot in the Shopify universe, you could do it with uh, dedicated apps. And there are, I'm sure there's several, but the two we use successfully, um, uh, Ship Scout and IntelliGems, will let you do split test shipping rates. And so we we tried this in several stores with they got different results, but uh, I'll illustrate one here. It the effects were always very similar. And so we were able to track checkout conversion rate when we offered no free shipping at all. Everybody just paid um, twenty free shipping at $25 and free shipping at $75. And what was interesting is the checkout conversion rate for all of those things were within a few points of each other. Like wow. our, our checkout conversion rate, meaning people who get started the checkout, for no free shipping uh, was 72%. For free shipping at $25 that was the highest. All right, we got the lowest, but it was still under 80%. And then free shipping at $75, uh, right in the middle, like right at 75. And so it's not- But 72 was with no free shipping at all. Yeah. So I'm really not gaining, I'm gaining very little. Like it's just marginal gains with these free shipping. And so I think we should reward like our whale VIP clients. You know, if your average order value is 50 bucks, then, you know- it should be a no-brainer that it, like someone who spends two hundred dollars should get free shipping. Fine, I I'm not going to dispute that one, um, but it's that's more as customer service, really. And so I think it gets interesting when you start to consider profit per yeah. order, profit per checkout, because especially since shipping keeps getting more and more expensive. Totally. Um, and people are so many people switch to e-commerce more than they ever had before in 2020 that I think as consumers get more sophisticated, they're also more willing to pay for shipping and be understanding about it, depending on the item. And so in this particular test, we knew our average fulfillment cost was $750 in order. Um, and when we ran, so we could calculate profit per visitor, The our $25 rate was where we performed the best. That had a $12 profit per visitor. But when we didn't offer free shipping at all, which we only lost a little bit of conversion, that had a almost $20 profit per visitor. Dude. So Crazy. I sacrifice a little bit of conversion, but then I gain considerable profit, like 40%. Yeah. Right. And so that's why it really pays to like take a hard look at what does shipping cost us and what's the and what's free shipping cost us in profit. Um, yeah, as a as a uh, as a cost center. I love that. And, and I think, again, this just underscores the need to split test things because a lot of us just believe, hey, because Amazon's been free shipping forever, we have to be free shipping with, with our products on our stores. And the reality is you need to test it. 
because maybe it's not boosting your conversion rates that much, and maybe it's just eating in to profits. So you got to test it. Love that one. Well, and you know what I like too is when you're not offering free shipping just all the time as a threshold, then you can use that as a promo instead of having to do the traditional like, oh, we discounted promo. our product. Yeah. Hey, boom, yeah. we're offered free shipping this weekend only. Go. Yep. Yep. Super easy then built in promotions. And now it's legitimate. Right now it's real because you don't offer it the rest of the time. You are offering it now. So yeah, easy we got that, built in promos. Love that it. That urgency. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. Um, cool. So let's talk about, let's go back to collection pages. So you wanted to split test hero images. Do we put hero images on our collection uh, slash uh, category pages? What What is that? And, and, and explain what is the hero image and then what did you find with that split test? All right. So I, uh, you know, I'm shopping on, you know, funkytshirts.com. I click men's funky t-shirts. Boom, right at the top. There's like three dudes in RoboCop t-shirts in a, like a banner image. By the way, do you have a do you have a Tech Nasty t-shirt? Because if not, you should probably you should probably have one designed. Tech Nasty. I don't, but that's I got to work on that. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> the funky t-shirts. So yeah, men's funky t-shirts, and there's like three dudes in RoboCop t-shirts looking funky, but it pushes all my products down the page. Uh oh, like I've got this big banner at the top. I got to wait for it to load, mm -hmm. but it looks great. So I'm like pro hero image because I think it it makes a difference when you've got like a really nice well done image and so I think hero it ups image, that's the presentation the image at the top of the category page kind of frames what is this category or collection all that's that about. banner it's and banner. it's always like a lifestyle image yep almost always or like an action shot so I have this pretty cool I love these but all right like does this matter should we test it so we did and this was in a store where like they look great they had put in the effort and it cost us conversions having it there. It performed way better without it. Crazy. So my, uh, revenue per session up 16%, 92% confidence. Well, you know, maybe that's just because like on desktop, it doesn't look right. Or on mobile, it doesn't look right. So we tested that we ran this one again, same store, mobile versus desktop, new versus returning. Every single one of them performed better without the darn banner image. And my thinking is it's scrolled it. There's like, I got this banner scrolled at the top. That. But I'm already shopping. So all you've done is presented me with a thing I have to load and scroll past just to get to what I wanted to do, right? If they're at that category page, they're already shopping. Stop selling. They've already started shopping. I like that. And, and, and I would agree with you too. Like uh, if you look at a good collection page, good category page, it's got that brilliant hero image. You're like, yeah, I like this. This is... You show me two pages, one with, one without. The one with the hero image is going to look better, right? But you make a very good point. If someone lands on the homepage, they get to the collection or category page, they're already in shopping mode. Just show me the freaking products at that point and let me shop. Uh, or, you know, if they if they land, the only time you really land on a collection or category page is if you're doing non-brand search or something like that, where it's a very specific search that, again, is very product-focused. Otherwise, they're going to be landing on something else first and then getting to a collection page. So yes. this makes a lot of sense. And, and with a 16% increase in revenue per session, uh, yes, please, I'll, I'll save that. Uh, I'll save that load time, pull that hero image, and, and make more money there. So uh, if you would, and I, and I love the way you, you frame this, that this is kind of a, a great way to look at both 
conversion rate and AOV at the same time. But talk about talk about revenue per session and and how you guys kind of landed on that. Has that always been the key metric for you guys? And no, it, yeah, how'd you guys land on that? No, I mean, so as far as my like e-commerce KPIs go, if I'm just like yanking on levers to scale businesses, average order value is my favorite because. Yeah. You don't have to get new customers, which is the hardest thing. And you don't have to convert more customers, which right. is tough. Yep. You could just sell, a l not even a ton more, just a little bit more, little bit more on average to every customer. And you make significantly more money. I love AOV as this. But in conversion rate optimization, it's in the title. We would always look at conversion rate as <laughs> our, K our main KPI. But it's certainly it's not the only one. It's not perfect. Like if the further your test is away from that checkout where the conversion happens, the more noise that's getting introduced here. Right. What really raised the con conversion rate there if it's yes. not there at that checkout, yeah. Yeah, and certainly like there is so much statistical noise and questionability in split tests. And like, I, you just can't post a split test on the internet without a whole bunch of people coming out of the woodwork to be like, here's why you're wrong. Here's why you're and wrong. Like, okay, well, yeah. I, like we all know it's because this disagreed with your, what you assumed it would be, right, buddy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, all right, so in with another, this like uh, always turns into a pitch for Google Optimize. I swear they, I have no, no association. It's, it's a free tool, people. Yeah. yeah. In Google Optimize, it'll ask you like, what's your primary objective? And you, you know, transactions is what they call conversions in e-commerce. And um, you could do uh, revenue, which now we're, it's revenue per session and we're combining uh, really conversion rate and average order value like that. But there's a whole bunch of others, but you can choose multiple. So you don't just have to commit to one. And so when you see like consistent results across um, like conversion and revenue per session, that's usually what I'm looking for. You could also do like add to cart, bounce rate, page views. You know, sometimes we'll use those if it's more like engagement focused. Um, but no, you don't just have to use one. I'll usually I'll usually set two or three, and then that way I feel more confident when I see that results are like fairly consistent across multiple KPIs. Yep, I love it. But but it is I love that it's a good blend there because yeah, what what's the benefit in increasing conversion rate if our AOV goes down, right? Which can happen yes. sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, that's, where, that's where shifting that free shipping threshold can really have an impact. Yes, conversion rate went up, but AOV went down. So in the end, we made less money. But that's where that revenue per session really kind of helps uh, combine those two and, and clarify things, which is, which is great. So uh, awesome. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next test. Uh, I got a couple more here. These are super fascinating. Uh, so should you include recently viewed products on the product detail page. So here we are, we're at the product detail page. We're looking at this funky t-shirt. Should we also there show, hey, remember you also saw, looked at these other funky t-shirts. Is that a distraction or does that actually help with conversions? What did you find? So, in, all right, I, as the, de the designer in my heart just wants to get rid of extraneous elements on a site. Like that's the easy way to conversion rate optimization. It's just try and keep people captive by getting right? rid of distractions. Yeah. Declutter. And a recently viewed products widget on a cart. What, who is this for? I have a history button, a back, I got history, a back button. You know, I, I maybe I'm taking notes. Do I not what I looked who at five seconds ago? No. I'm going to get emails, browse abandonment. I'm going to get re marketing ads. And so this was a thing, like I want to justify, really I just, for a client, I want to justify getting rid of a recently viewed items widget. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you can do whatever you want as long as you show us the data first. All right, fine. Mark. Like challenge accepted. And so I tested this thing and it was net improvement. Um, let's see. Yeah, it was 
revenue, uh, everything increased when it was present versus when it was removed. And this annoyed me. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting rid of this thing. So I run the test again, mobile versus desktop, same result. Darn it. Run the test again, new versus returning. This is where it got interesting. For returning visitors, it's increasing conversion rate by 33%. And we had this thing on the cart page and the product page. Um, New visitors, it must have just been weird for them to see it decreased conversion rate by 9%. (laughs) Mm. So decreased conversion rates because for, for them visitor, it was extraneous. For, yeah. Huh. So in Google Optimize, uh, you could deploy. It's called uh, deploy personalization. And so it like when I ran the test that said, "Hey, hide this for new people," and that's a win. I could just have Google Optimize do that. So you could use it to run personalization. So if it sees a new visitor, they don't. It hides that recently viewed uh, item widget, and if it a returning visitor, then it doesn't do anything. So returning visitor increased conversion rate by 33%. That's crazy. Yeah, but, but I would tend to agree with you, or at least I, I could make the case there that yeah, it's just a distraction. Why have it there? But uh, your client was wise and said, nope, show me with the data. And uh, the data said otherwise. So you have the recently viewed products. You keep it on the product detail page at this point. Uh, so brilliant test. Love that. Um, what about now? This one's super interesting to me. Um, add to cart from the collection page, yay or nay? So I'm on that collection page, that category page. There's that, there's that quick add button or add to cart right there. Or do you want to view it or do you want to do a quick view or whatever? So, so what happened there? Do we put the add to cart on the collection page or not? It depends, but I think the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if it's so we, we ran this test. Again, I tried to do, like, at least for pulling these examples with data, I tried to do apparel stores for everything because it's it's very relatable, it's very general, and that's also one of the biggest categories in e-commerce. Um, but in this case, adding it increased revenue per visitor 15% with 85% confidence. So that's like right at the minimum for where we're still statistically feeling this is statistically significant. Um, but having the add to cart on a, a collection or category page is really convenient, especially if you're on a slower connection, you're making multiple purchases and items. And so I think it it's definitely going to depend on, on the store's catalog and like what the products are. If I'm buying body jewelry, if I'm buying nuts and bolts, if I, I was just buying buttons for an arcade machine and I was like, I swear, I wish this site would let me add to cart because I need like two, like 16 buttons in different colors and I have to go like back and forth, back and forth. And right away, I knew that's the use case. And so if you have like these less spec-driven, lower price, similar items, add to cart for sure. For sure. If it's like a MacBook, you know, like real high techni- high price technical items, they're not just, they're not, I don't need to add like five different always going to go to the, the product detail page before yeah. you purchase, right? Yeah. So certainly you know, some common sense needs to be used here. Um, and Baymart Institute, they did uh, a usability study recently. They felt, uh, they made the, a similar argument, but they liked quick view where it like opens a window with more info, right, right. but keeps we you on the collection the page. page. Yeah. I don't want to have to go back and forth, which on a phone could be annoying for sure. Yeah. So then you just look at maybe turning that off for the mobile experience and keeping it, keeping it running for desktop or is that an option? I think on mobile you do. Oh, for sure. Um, I think increasingly we need these like mobile specific and desktop specific optimizations. I think they totally. help a lot. Um, but uh, no, I, I really think it's, it's more like product and category dependent. 
if it, yeah. you know, 50 bucks and less, definitely consider this. Um, and if it's like a lot of similar stuff, definitely consider it. Totally makes sense. But yeah, if it's a high ticket item and you're going to be digging into that product detail page every time before so. you add the cart, then it's, it's less important. Yeah. You could also do it like, you know, if you want to get fancy, do it per category or collection. Yeah. So like let's say I sell, you know, the other, yeah. I'm selling drones. All right. I probably don't, on the drones page, I don't want it. But then on the accessories, like I'm buying SD cards and batteries. Parts, you know, the replacement yeah. parts, parts page or whatever. Then I could use it. Yeah, that's interesting. So maybe go collection by collection or category by category. Super interesting. Same Sounds with the price like thing. Test to me. I like it. Uh, so last one that we're going to, like last uh, split test result we're going to dive into. We got some uh, general tips, which are super helpful uh, kind of as we wrap up. So uh, what about breadcrumbs? Do we need nope. the breadcrumbs? And uh, in, in the early days, in my early e-commerce days, we supported a Magento agency, and so we ran all the marketing for Magento agency and all their clients, and it was super fun, but I know like breadcrumbs were a big part of, of Magento, at least back in the day. But that's, uh, so So first of all, though, Yeah, Magento went hard on really like making these gigantic, on, yeah. faceted breadcrumbs. Yeah, they loved the breadcrumbs. Um, so uh, for those that maybe don't know, explain what breadcrumbs are, and then what'd you find with the, the test results? So uh, a breadcrumb, it, it's always in the, there's a consistency to it. It's always like 14 point font in the upper left. And it's going to, it tells you starting from the homepage where you're at on the site. So really it's like, you know, it's a drill down. It's home, department, product, or, you know, subcategory then product. And this just seems like a thing in the way. Like, I, you know, I'm on the site. I, I'm on the product page. I can just click the back button. So right. I thought, I'm like, this is just, what am I doing with this? I don't want this thing. And so again, I'm like, eh, it's extraneous. I'm going to remove it. And so I got to split test it. And it turned out like on that one, I was wildly wrong. Uh, on the product page, uh, increased revenue per visitor by 53% with 92% confidence. Because what's going so people on? People love their freaking breadcrumbs. But yeah, why? Why? This is another one where when you get rid of the breadcrumbs, if I had just by straight conversion, it improves conversions. But at what cost? Because it's like they get to the product page, they go, cool, add to cart, and then they leave. Whereas mm. when I had the breadcrumbs, and you can see this in heat maps and like screen recordings, they're using it as navigation. So they mm. go back and they shop more. And so when I got rid of the breadcrumbs, all I did was sacrifice people buying multiple items. Because <laughs> nice. I, like, I made it a pain. It's crazy. Yeah, so people were adding to cart and or purchasing. So conversion rate went up. But you, and again, that's why you got to look at it holistically. Conversion rate isn't the only metric, right? People are buying less, they're spending less. So conversion rate only in this case actually hurt. So yeah, they're adding that item to to the cart, but then they've got the breadcrumbs there where they can go back to the category or two categories or whatever. They can, they can now easily continue to shop. So if you that's, sell that's more than one item, yeah. you probably want, you probably have to have the breadcrumbs. There's like only, there'd be a rare handful of scenarios where you didn't want the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm like, all right, we got to make breadcrumbs work, look good, even be even better. <laughs> Optimize my breadcrumbs now. I got So we wanted to get rid of them, stupid breadcrumbs, uh, but they make a difference. Now we got to make them smarter, better. Uh, so, which, which, by the way, how how do you optimize breadcrumbs? Do you have any any thoughts or theories there? So, in in Shopify, the breadcrumbs are are a little limited. They normally look at like, hey, what's the collection URL? They look at the URL to fix it. And so, we rewrote it where what it actually one um, where it can use if it doesn't know 
how the person, if they just landed on the product page, how do you right. develop the breadcrumb? Yep. And so adding some some logic to backfill that in. Either like you can have it check what was the last collection they look at with a cookie and add that in. And then if that's not present, okay, let's look at the products, maybe the the vendor or the product type, and then use that to try and backfill the collection. This if you you're really getting deep in the weeds by the time you're doing this one. Deep, but this is interesting. And I mean this happens, right? Like so we we run a lot of Google shopping traffic, it's one of our core channels, but a lot of people then parachute in on that product detail page. So if I okay, land yeah. on the So in that use page, case, then, yeah. this is a win. Yeah, for sure. Having those breadcrumbs there, it's, they're, they're going to buy more items for sure. So, okay. Love it. So there we have it. There were seven unique, interesting split tests, several of which surprised you and, and would have surprised me if you hadn't already told me the, the results. Uh, so super interesting there. What about, let's close out with just some general tips. What, what tips would you give people as they're going on this journey to increase conversions and AOV and all that good stuff. So for sure, there's some good advice here. I tried to keep it to things that will be generally helpful, but you got to question everything. And that's like when you see people sharing their wins and their results and their split tests, and this is what I did. Okay, that's what they did. That's not, yes. that doesn't mean it's what you should do. And you don't I even mean, know how they did it, right? What if they didn't even get yes. a statistically significant result? What if they just got a, the result they wanted and they want to share it, you know? And even if they did get it statistically significant, it was significant it for, for their audience, their catalog, offer, et cetera. It's not the same for you. Yep. And so I, when people are like, oh, they'll like, I'll post something and they'll start questioning like the, not often, but they'll question like the methodology because they're trying to get to like, well, here's why this is invalid. And to those, I'd say like, look, I'm sorry that it disagreed with what you thought, right? Because <laughs> that's really what they're saying. Or you don't yeah, like but, the, the truth. It's okay yeah. But also it doesn't matter for you. Like just mm -hmm. go, you run that same test on your store and see what happens. And so I think, you know, question everything about other so-called experts. You know, there's just being in the space, there's a fire hose of great info. So many. And so who do you listen to? So many experts, yes. Yeah, and certainly um, part of the problem here. Um, and then also question your own assumptions, right? Mm -hmm. So like there's all kinds of elements on your homepage, on your website, why are they there? What are they doing? Until you've split test them, you really have no idea if they help or hurt. It's, you're yeah, just guessing. When you, I think I heard you and Paul talking about this on a, on a podcast episode, right? Where we all were in love with the sliders on the homepage, right? Like we all want sliders, sliders. to top our homepage. Yeah, because that's what you do. That's that's what you've done since you know 2000 or the late 90s or whatever. But but what yeah, what have you guys found there? And I know we kind of finished the split test, but but you found some interesting stuff there, I believe, recently. So the that collection homepage test. Uh, or that collection test where it's like, does the hero help or hurt? Yeah. We did the same darn thing on, on the homepages. And uh, same result. It always performed better without the homepage hero image. And the reason really is what's going on is because the second thing is always like featured promos and um, a product grid, like a featured collection on a site. And so you're just getting them shopping faster again. It's the same yep. premise. That one really like blows people away. They're like, but... You have to have them. I don't know. Gotta, have you been to Google.com lately? Where's their slider, right? <laughs> exactly. Like you don't have to have a slider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. So other other tools you had mentioned. So you mentioned Google Optimize. Love it. What other tools would you suggest people check out? Well, I really like Hotjar. Um, you know, you also want to combine this with like a, a heat map tool, um, screen recording tool, so you could see 
get a macro view of how people are using the site and micro views. But then I think ultimately the the real deal number one conversion rate optimization hack is talking to your customers. So yeah. few people want to talk to their customers. And that's where you get like the really great test ideas is when you talk to people and you go, oh, you know, that, because every customer will be like, well, they'll speak for everyone. I want this and that and that. Well, maybe they're right. And so it, when you go test those things, that's what we've had the, the biggest wins is taking a, a customer suggested idea from a phone interview and put that onto a, a site and then test it. Super interesting. So you're actually, let me get this straight, you're actually calling customers on the phone, talking to them with words, not not typing or something like that, but you're, you're getting feedback from the customer and then you're implementing those into split tests. In rare occurrence, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is the most powerful thing you can do is pick up the phone. No one wants yeah. to use phone.app, but like that's the one that prints money. But it works, man. It absolutely works. That That's awesome. Any final tips and then I want to point people to you so they can check out more of your brilliance as they go but any any final tips I know we could talk about this for hours and hours uh you you know I mentioned a few tools use the tools you like I, yeah. I don't care what tools you use so long as you're doing the work like whatever you're comfortable with that's great perfect you don't have to justify it to anybody um I would we mentioned it earlier but I I think it's a mistake to just like solely and laser in on conversion rate especially in Google Optimize, where you can have um, secondary goals. And I think revenue is a really good one to work with. Um, And then certainly, I think the other mistake is lumping everyone together. And so I would do, consider segmentation, especially mobile versus desktop and new versus returning. Yeah, mobile versus desktop, two very different experiences and different modes, different mindsets people have. And then... Yeah, it's another simple segmentation, new versus returning. Because like, like you showed with the uh, with, with several of your tests, actually, that the, the new visitors behave differently than return visitors, which makes a lot of sense, actually, if you, if you think about it. So, um, Kurt, this has been awesome. Uh, so go listen, go check out the Unofficial Shopify podcast, one of my all-time favorites. You got to listen. But if people listen to this and they're like, dude, I want to hire Kurt and his team to work for me, Tell us a little bit about EtherCycle. Who do you work with and how can someone reach out to you? Uh, EtherCycle.com, you can find us. And we work exclusively with Shopify store owners. We've been since uh, 2014, I think. And we do, uh, really we're we're a theme shop. You know, we build a lot of custom themes. We do do store migrations. Uh, But we also do uh, maintenance programs and conversion rate optimization work. Yeah, and you guys did you guys did all the work recently for Overtone, which is uh, Ezra Firestone's company. We worked on that together. So you guys did the a lot of the build side. We're doing the Google and YouTube and Amazon side. But but yeah, what would you do for Overtone specifically? Overtone, uh, that one was interesting. They were on Shopify, but it was headless, and so we built an entirely custom theme, um, and that designed and developed a custom theme, and then migrated back to Shopify, got rid of the headless solution entirely, which just simplified um, IT and admin for them, made life a lot easier. And, yeah, and some that, of these split tests we mentioned, too, didn't it? some of these split tests were run in that store. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's, it's done quite well. I think it was an improvement. I know kind of the, there's this rage for headless, which, which is a topic for a different day. And there, there are scenarios where it makes sense. But yeah, for in this case, simplify, run some of these tests. It was definitely a win for for Overtone, for sure. So, awesome. Kurt Elster, ladies and gentlemen, hit that Tech Nasty button one more time. 
Check Awesome. Kerr, this has been super fun, man. Thank you so much. And we will have to, you know, it's been too long. I think the last time you were on this show was like four years ago. Uh, so we will. Four years ago. Ew. That is too long. I know. It's no good. So we'll have to uh, just get it on the calendar, get you back as a regular guest. So much appreciated, my man. This was Please awesome. Please do. Looking forward to next time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, could not do this show without you. In fact, it'd be pretty lonely. It'd be pretty pointless to do this show without you. And hey, if you're listening to the show and you think, man, this is enriching my life. This is making me more money. This is uh, improving my e-commerce experience. Then share it with somebody else. We would love that. And leave us that review on iTunes if you think it deserves it. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.